Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Big Footy Podcast Summer Special. Uh, obviously, the full crew not here, being on their holidays or knitting classes or whatever it is Seppo does when uh, we're not here. Uh, but I do have the man, the myth, and one of the few people these days not selling uh, pictures of his genitalia to national media. Uh, Messenger, good evening. Uh, I, I was one of the few people, but now I have a special book coming out next week. <laughs> right. Oh, look, There's, there are many things that we could uh, talk about, but we've uh, chosen to ignore them uh, because they're petty and absolutely pointless. Yes. And so we are, of course, going to focus solely on the uh, conclusion of, well, what we hope is the conclusion of the Essendon saga. Messenger, is it the conclusion? Yes. Yes. Yes, of course it's the conclusion, because if if anybody's going to carry this further, they're going to carry it from their own pocket. Yeah. And so the players, if the players are going to go to Switzerland and stand in front of the judge or whatever they're going to do, Essendon aren't paying for this. The AFL aren't paying for it. They're paying for it. And I think they found out what happens when you keep, you know, trusting the court process that's eventually going to um, uh, not not uh, not do what you want it to do. So I think this is over. I think they're going to serve their suspensions and get on with their lives. Yeah, you can only hope so after, what is it, the often repeated 1,071 days of the saga, two uh, federal court, federal court arbitration, uh, federal court uh, appeals tribunal, uh, various Supreme Court hearings that are still undergoing with uh, Hal Hunter, and uh, all sorts of things. So the Hal Hunter thing's still to play out, by the way, but uh, he's uh, definitely linked to this now, in a manner of speaking. And and the, and the interesting thing about all of this is, and we circle, we it's it's the way it started a thousand days ago and ended is the penny finally dropped about the definition of strict liability. It's not, oh, but they told me and let's obfuscate here. It's no, 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 no. You are responsible for what goes in your body. And if you don't ask the right questions and don't ask enough of them or are too trusting, then you have a problem. And, and look, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have some degree of sympathy for the players, even after finding out that they had withheld information, shall we say, on their ASADA testing forms. But ultimately, they're adults, and they have to be treated like adults. And, you know, we, my oft-used example was always the, well, the 16-year-old gymnast at the AIS doesn't get this sort of leeway. They don't get to say, oh, well, they're just a kid and they didn't know. No, they're an Olympic athlete, and they're expected to, to understand, and, and these guys should be treated no differently. Which has been the argument all along, really. If Olympic athletes are held to a certain standard, why aren't you know AFL or NRL athletes held to that same? And, and in the reaction, there was a distinct lack of uh, sympathy for the players amongst Olympic athletes, mm. and, and David Colbert wrote quite prominently on it. And and as far as they're concerned, they they got they got what was coming to them. Not not to mention uh, four wa- uh, four players in the waffle. And two players in the VFL, well, three players in the VFL, who have all been punished uh, fairly harshly for uh, substances. In which case, they never even received. In some cases, uh, uh, one of them had his stuff intercepted by customs before it even got to his house. I mean, we're, and, and yet he still got a full two-year penalty. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to hold the, the lower ranks and the amateur sports to one, uh, to that standard, then that's the standard that has to apply to everyone. You can't say, okay, well, you're professional guys with more money, you can afford a better defence, thus, you know, you're held to a different standard. That's that's not right. No, no. Although I will, I will say one thing about the Essendon supporters and, and some of the, the more uh, tinfoil hat-wearing types... There is something to be said for the AFL not not finding a situation that they don't didn't think that they could turn with a political manoeuvre, mm. and and it seems pretty clear after this that they worried about the politics of this as much as they did the procedures, 
And and as we said, and as I, I was very critical of Asada all the way through this, Asada are clearly under-resourced and clearly reached the very edge of their competence in mm. in this. And uh, and they were lucky to have um, Big Daddy swoop in and, and save their backsides. Mm. Just uh, let's go back to last Tuesday morning. Oh. Uh, the verdict was released at, what, 7.30 in the morning. I know we opened the thread on Bigfooty at 5am. Yes. And, um, it was all it, very exciting, it was all, Everyone was up and ready to go, and people some hadn't slept all night. Some of us work. I'll add, oh, some of us have gainful employment we have to go to, but I, anyway. I was actually at work when I opened the thread on Bigfooty, so, you know. That, that's, uh, but uh, it was, so it was a, a lot of waiting around and a lot of uh, jovial... Uh, taunting going on in the thread for several uh, hours before the judgment came out at about 7.30 where the players were reported to have uh, been secreted away in a secret location somewhere in the suburbs of Melbourne Um, and I've seen somewhere that they were apparently with James Hurd, I'm not sure if that's true or not but I what, just so they could reach around his neck. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm honestly not sure of the truth of that. But uh, the statement released by Kaz does say the following: uh, the Court for Arbitration of Sport issued its decision in the arbitration procedure between the World Anti Doping Agency and 34 current and former Essendon players. The appeal uh, was filed by WADA against the Australian Football League. Uh, and then it goes on about that, but it ends and says the panel held a hearing with the two parties in Sydney, Australia. The panel found to its comfortable satisfaction that Clause 11.2 of the 2010 AFL Doping Code, use of a prohibited substance, had been violated and found by a majority that all players were significantly at fault. Uh, the, the players were sanctioned for two years. Uh, that two-year suspension was backdated to the 31st of March 2015 and credit was given for any individual period of ineligibility already served. So most suspensions will end on November 2016, although some will end later. Uh, I think Watson and uh, others, they played in an international rules series and two or three others played in the Northern Territory Football League and so I think um, one of the Jettas is going to be suspended until February of yes, 2017. Right. And, until February 17th. And, yeah, I think heard. I think sorry, um, Watson and Fletcher got an extra eight days or something along those lines. Uh, Asada, in turn, was pretty uh, happy with uh, the result, uh, having been an interested party over the objections of the players at the WADA uh, hearing, apparently. Uh, <laughs> The AFL and Asada both weren't originally parties to the appeal. Uh, the AFL added themselves uh, with the uh, with Kaz's permission, and when Asada went to, the players objected, but Wider over uh, not Wider Kaz overruled that anyway. So it's uh, uh, Ben McDevitt says uh, there were very little grounds for the players to claim there at no significant fault. The players have received anti-doping education through the AFL and Asada and were well aware that they were personally responsible for all substances that entered their body. Uh, despite their education, they agreed to be injected with a number of substances they had little knowledge of, made no inquiries about, and kept the injections from their team doctor and Asada. Of the 30 Asada and testing missions during that period in question, none of the 18 players tested declared the injections, despite being asked each time. 30 times, Messenger. And, and some of them described it as like having concrete injected into their arse. So, which you know has all sorts of overtones to it, but um, they, they clearly it was clearly meant to be a secret regime. I found I actually found this quite interesting that that you know they they've sort of come out and said, oh well, we didn't think there was anything wrong. Well, you don't hide something if you don't think it's wrong. I think a lot of people had sympathy for the players to some extent right Less up until, so after right up until so. this statement came out and then a lot of that evaporated when it became clear, according to Kaz at least, just how uh, implicit they were in hiding it, in covering it up and, you know, deliberately not filling out forms and not telling investigators things and just... It, it, it makes it very hard to defend the players in, as far as I'm concerned. And I tried. I, I, really, I spent a good part of... Sunday morning getting uh, abused by people on Big Footy for trying to find a way to defend the players' position, but really, it's it, it's indefensible once you get to that point. They didn't ask, they didn't even try to ask. 
Yeah. Um, and that's a big no-no when, uh, you know, the standard, the standard as defined in every AFL anti-doping code since 2006 has been personal, strictly personal uh, responsibility for what goes in. So they had no excuse. They they did not. They did not. And uh, and and so you'd have to say in some respects that the, uh, I won't say it's well-earned, but the ban's um, justified. But, um, you know, it'll, it might finish a couple of careers. It'll certainly um, put a, a fairly big kibosh on a couple. And, and Joe Watson's probably the the most prominent of those because he's now... How old's Joe Watson? Is he 20... 29 or something, isn't he? 28, 29, something like that. Well, mm. I think he can come back from that, but... Whether he I mean, wants he... to is another story. Well, whether he wants to, and I guess there's there's the issue of the Brownlow medal as well about whether whether he's able to able to keep that or whether the AFL um, removes it. Uh, which will be interesting. I, I tend, I tend to think it's sort of most untenable now, really, isn't it? For him to remain a Brownlow medalist given circumstances. Now, Lindsay Tanner, the current chairman of the Essendon Football Club, after Paul Littlestead down, uh, made his statement uh, where he said that the penalty imposed is manifestly unfair. At all times, our players acted in good faith. I'm not really sure how he can say that. Um, well, what else is he going to? He's not going to say. Hey, you know what? We've been busted and fair cop, and I can't believe these dickheads carried on like this for three years. I mean, he's got to say that. I mean, he says later on in his statement that the Essendon Football Club again apologises to our players for failing them in 2012. That I I would have thought that would expose the club to um, some significant legal uh, issues later on if if they admit that they're at fault. Anybody produces a consent form in which the substances are named and claimed to be wider compliant and they're clearly not well surely they've they've breached even from the governance side of things they've probably breached their duty of care well, I to think the that's, players i think that's and the, currently being established in uh the work by work cover at the moment well then i think there's there's no there's no question that and now that penalties have been given and and some of these players may I mean, some may choose to come back to Essendon, some may be out of contract, some may request to trade. So, I mean, they probably feel a little less encumbered in in sticking it to Essendon now that now that the final decision's been reached. Mm. And uh, and you know, the, we, we we talk about Dyson Heppel and Watson and guys who are on the list. You, know, you talk about a guy like Sam Lonigan who'd just been appointed captain coach of South Launceston. He can't work. He's lost his job. That's it. Well, he's, a, he's done. There's a few players in that uh, boat, and we'll get to those in a minute. Yeah. Just uh, running through, finishing, uh, running through these statements. The AFL statement from Gillan McLaughlin uh, was uh, relatively interesting, not to mention uh, his interview later that night with Mark Robinson, uh, <laughs> which I'm not sure if Robbo wasn't drunk during it. But uh, the AFL Ro- will support the players and the club during the, the period, but the suspensions must stand as our commitment to clean sport. So no chance the AFL uh, appeals or anything like that. That's it, It's done as far as the AFL is concerned. Uh, the AFL Commission considered possible suspensions at the Commission's meeting last December and confirmed the decisions we will take around our rules this morning. Uh, McLaughlin did specifically say that there were there were rules that did allow the AFL to boot the club from the competition for 2016 if required. Um, the AFL's chosen not to, obviously. The AFL has said that they can uh, upgrade a number of players, uh, five rookie-listed players for the senior list for a one-for-one replacement, as though the suspended players they were replacing had long-term injuries. Essendon will be able to grant, uh, will be able to sign up to ten extra players. Uh, existing contract values for the listed players will be included in the cap, mm-hmm. but extra p- uh, payments for supplementary players will uh, also be included in the cap. They will receive an allowance though to cover some of those. So, Essendon, uh, uh, according to Gillian McLaughlin, in summary, it's the AFL's view that Essendon should be able to field a competitive team to provide a safe working environment for both their own players and opposition players. And these rules around replacement players are necessary for the club to be able to field a side around these doping bans. Uh, The AFL also considered the cases of former Essendon players at other AFL clubs. Uh, Melbourne is, uh, what, Jake Melksham, St Kilda, of course, Jake Carlisle. 
uh, the Western Bulldogs uh, in Cramery and Port Adelaide, who have uh, Angus Monfries and Paddy Ryder. Uh, the Commission's ruling was that each club may immediately upgrade a rookie to the senior list for a replacement for any suspended player. Commission hasn't made a decision on Joe Watson's Brownlow medal yet. Apparently, Joe Watson will be allowed to uh, defend keeping it for some reason. Yeah, really? Uh, really? He will be invited to address the Commission, as will other relevant parties. I believe, uh, I think it's Sam Mitchell who has said he wants his Brownlow medal. So, Oh, really? <laughs> I, I've read that somewhere. I'm not entirely sure that how true that statement is, but I did see somewhere that uh, Sam. I've Mitch... read other things to the contrary, but look, I, I mean, as as much as I think that, I mean, Sam Mitchell might be one of the best ten midfielders of his generation. In fact, he might be one of the best three mid best midfielders of his generation, and and it would be fitting for him to be a Brownlow medalist. I'm not sure anybody really wants a medal in those sort of circumstances and it wouldn't surprise me that if the medal was either handed back or, or taken whether they would simply vacate the award for 2012 um, which is what they do with the Tour de France as I, as I understand um, because you could mount, then mount an argument that any votes taken by a player who was subsequently suspended need to be rescinded yeah, need to be and wound then, back and then recounted and things need to be counted back and you could end up with a completely different winner. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if, look, if Sam Mitchell got a Brownlow medal from that and, and Trent Cochin would also be eligible, um, then I, I don't have a problem with that, but I tend to think they'll vacate it. Yeah, I suspect that. I think um, Joe Watson will probably hand it back himself rather than face the... Uh, yeah. F- face the questions and things like that. So... But it seems incongruous that he would keep it now. I don't see any way he can keep it. I don't see any way the AFL turns around and says, no, that's okay, you um, you, you can keep that. The question uh, for many people is, of course, uh, how the AFL tribunal came to a completely different uh, ruling. And it, it is interesting that for the AFL's uh, appeal tribunal... Uh, which is, of course, run by David Jones, uh, who is a county court magistrate of some 20-odd years. Um, And, oh, I can't remember who the other guy is, but he's also a former county court judge of 20-odd years' experience and members and presidents of the Administrative Affairs Tribunal and whatnot. These guys seem to have gone for, you know, for the the line that you have to be able to prove that the players absolutely took the... uh, took what they've been accused of being of taking, whereas WADA held themselves to the comfortable satisfaction standard. So I think, in essence, the argument is the that the AFL tribunal um, held, held, held essentially uh, a too high a standard in deciding it was not... It was beyond comfortable satisfaction. And mm. I think Roy Masters put it very well when he said if... If the AFL had ruled on on Lance Armstrong, he'd still have seven championships. But you know that they they essentially set too high a bar for that. Um, I, there's, I have... a ve- there's a very good explanation of we've talked heard about strands in the cable and links yeah. in the chain, and and the the website the Social Litigator has a very good explanation of the difference between the two um, standards, and they are in fact recognised legal evidentiary standards. This isn't just a uh, uh, something made up by a, by um, some bel- blow-in from Belgium. It, they are recognised legal standards of evidence. And, of um, course. And uh, it was very well written, that social litigator. Uh, they've been very uh, very much on top of things throughout the whole saga. Hmm. Um, I, I have a problem with the finding that, regardless of uh, the individual results... Uh, Cavs found it was a team program, and so basically, if you got indicted, everyone got indicted. I have issues with that assumption, but sure, I, but... I understand how they've reached it, and I understand the comfortable satisfaction standard. I have a, I kind of have an issue with that whole assumption that because a couple of players definitely did it, every player definitely did it. I, I just, it doesn't sit easy with me. I'm not saying it's wrong. And I'm not saying I could have found another way around it. I've looked for days. I 
tried to, like I said, I tried to argue the point for a couple of hours on Sunday morning on the forums, and I come up dry. There's, I, I can't find a way around it, but it doesn't sit easy with me. I think given the standard required that you just need to be comfortably satisfied, then there, there would need to be some compelling evidence that they didn't take it or that they they were not involved. And, and you know, one of the, I guess one of the examples is uh, David Zaharakis refusing any injections and and some will tell you it's because he's scared of needles, but then there are others who will say, well, that's actually rubbish and he just didn't want to be involved and that was... That was his excuse to get out. So some people made a conscious decision, but... I, I get um, that too. I'm just saying, I'm not sure that comfortable satisfaction is enough to screw up a career by uh, um, a, a two, you know, putting a two-year hiatus on a career that generally averages out to about five years in total anyway. Yeah, and look, but, and it is, a, it is a very harsh penalty for a, a sport in which you, you, you're not long there. But the alternative is... If you held them to say a criminal standard, like when I'm, I'm beginning to sound like Jack McCoy here, but if you you hold them up to a, the uh, a criminal standard, then really what you're saying is, well, we can't convict anybody without a positive drug test, or without somebody, an independent witness saying, I saw a needle go into his arm and he definitely got that drug. I get, I get, uh, I get what uh, you're uh, saying as well. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm not, and I, I'm not saying it was a wrong decision. It just it. It makes me a little uneasy. That's all. I, I, I don't like this whole tarring everybody with a feather thing. It's it, it's it's it's. I, 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 anyway, it's, you only it's, have to have done it once to incur the penalty. That's and true. there is certainly evidence that some, there is certainly evidence that some of these players had dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of injections over the period. Some of them only had, and I understand that some of them had as few as six or seven injections. Yeah, but. But ultimately, you only need to do it once. What it's a you can't be a little bit pregnant in this. You either took it or you didn't. Yeah. Well, and end of the day, the decision is probably right. I have no problem with the decision that was reached. I mean, the players lied, the players obfuscated, the players deliberately misled, and they are you know under the rules. That's what you get for that. So end of the day, the decision, the the, the the final decision is good as far as I'm concerned. It's just part of the process I didn't like, and it was only a small part of that process. So end of the day, and, I think the decision's good. And 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 let's not. We need to talk about this because this was perhaps one of the highlights of my week last week, and 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 we've discovered the true meaning of need of Twitter. James Hurd's interview on Sunday night with a live Twitter feed running was absolutely magnificent. Um, the interview itself was a rehash of his um, complete load of bollocks that he got published in the Herald Sun. Yeah. Um, he found a tra- fellow traveller in Tracy Holmes who staked her colours to the mask in, in, on this issue uh, quite a while ago. And and she basically served up a, a set of half follies outside off stump for James to just gently push into the covers for an hour, and it was um, it was amazing. He has showed amazing chutz part to um, give the answers and take the attitude he did, but um, nobody challenged him. Nobody didn't get any didn't get any tough follow ups. It was all no. very. Um, very military medium, but and, he, put, um, he put himself into a situation where he wasn't going to come out come out looking any. Well, he wasn't going to get targeted for, by heavy hitters. No, and there is a, uh, and um, and I believe a number of the people in the uh, in the audience were uh, herd supporters, and there were some interesting questions asked afterwards. But um, no, he wasn't going to be subjected to Jared Whiteley or um, or, or somebody of that caliber. He was going to. Uh, as I say, get a, get, get a few Dorothy Dixes and, and he could bat away without any uh, fear of um, recrimination. And it was, it was, you knew it was coming, but you couldn't, you couldn't look away. You, you just could not look away. It was quite, um, quite remarkable. And uh, he, he didn't do himself any favours. I have no idea why he agreed to do it. None whatsoever. If I was the players, I'd be asking him to shut up. No, I just I don't understand why no one else is going. Look, James, that's that's enough, mate. <laughs> you know, well, and it's, and, it's and over. He did, and and he did make a point. Of, he didn't miss anyone. 
He didn't miss any money. He got Paul Hamilton again, and he got Ian Robson again. And, oh, you took everyone. And, and Bruce Reed must have about a whole drawer of knives in his back. Um, Bruce he's... Reed would be looking like one of those guys you know to see those magic shows where he drinks a he drinks a glass of water and all that water shoots out his back like a sprinkler. Yeah, he's he's got <laughs> he he didn't miss he didn't miss anyone, but amazingly, none of this is his fault. Interesting that Reed testified to water, uh, testified to Kaz as well. He was actually at at the uh, Kaz hearing, so well, it'd be fascinating to know what he said. Well, do we do we know what he said? Uh, it is in the Kaz documents. Um, he he's he basically said that he wrote a letter. The letter got lost somehow. Um, there's probably a small amount of fault on him for not really chasing it up, but he was well and truly out of the loop. Uh, yeah, and, and Kaz seems and, to believe that that's the case. And 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 I think the thing with Hurd is he tried to paint himself to be out of the loop, but. There's, There's a variety of circumstantial evidence that really proves otherwise. That says that, you know, he was, he and they were looking at AOD 9604 as a financial project, as an investment. He was being questioned, he and Dank were exchanging text messages about uh, dosage regimes for drugs, some of which were okay, some of which were on the, on the hairy edge. And... And ultimately, you know, he's on his line of responsibility. He gets called into a meeting to discuss sacking someone mm. that he apparently is not has no reporting line to or is not responsible for. Well, I mean, I work in a company and I would never be pulled into a meeting and asked my opinion on whether somebody's to be sacked. Yeah, if that person wasn't a direct report of mine, it's, it's no, it doesn't work like that. That's no. not the way. You don't sort of get everybody in a room and draw straws to see if we sack him. Like, you only get people who have some influence or have some say in the matter. Yeah. So I, he, his idea of creating this structure in which he's oversees everything but is responsible for nothing and accountable for nothing is absolute bollocks. I mean, right. he, he would be the highest paid employee on the list yep. on the, on the, in, at the club. And for him to sort of wash his hands of any responsibility is just... Utter drivel. It is generally accepted practice as well for these coaches that come in to set up the program, whether they run it directly or not afterward or not. But James Hurd would have gone to the club and presented a program, presented a plan and said, this is what I want to do, this is how I want to do it. And forever afterward, he's responsible for that. Well, look, and and, and I I work in, and I mean, I I work in an area where there are subsections of technical specialty and, 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 and you take advice from the people who know but ultimately you make the decision mm. and you get the best advice you can and you say that's my call we're doing that and I'm sure that's what happened it's as if he wouldn't know exactly what's happening to those players all the time it just it just beggars belief just and I just want to get back to that AOD 9604 thing you were talking about earlier yeah all that fuss that was made throughout 2013 about AOD 9604 even Jared Waitley's thing you know crusade on it was all pointless. It was all pointless from the start. The federal court documents uh, talk specifically about how the AFL told Essendon from the start that it wasn't about AOD nine six zero four. They knew from the start. It was in the. Um, it was in the. Um, it was in the crime commission report. Mm. AOD nine six zero four perfectly legal. According, as far as uh, the Crime Commission was concerned, and the AFL specifically told Essendon it's not about AOD 9604. So that entire crap for the last year, uh, for that entire 2013 period, was just a smokescreen. That entire 2013 bit about AOD 9604, just one big smokescreen. Well, I think the thing about uh, about 9604 was that, that Essendon clearly received some explicit advice that... It was allowed, but there. But whether they misread or whether that that interpretation was incorrect is another thing. But it did go to it did did go to the credibility of Asada in in that instant. There's also now, advice that Essendon couldn't find uh, when they went looking for it. They found the consent forms that are supposed to have it on it. They couldn't find the authorization. Which was also supposed to be on it, apparently. So, yeah, 
Yeah. It was it was an interesting thing. I want to move back to the uh, players, Miss. Yes. Uh, the players at Essendon, of course, Tate Pears, Tom Bell Chambers, who's the first name on the uh, on the indictment there. Yeah. So it's forever known as Tom Bell Chambers and friends. <laughs> oh, really? Poor yes. Tom. Oh, God. Thomas Bell Chambers. So he's the first one off the bat there. Tate Pears, Tom Bell Chambers, Joe Watson, David Myers, Michael Hurley, Travis Collier, Michael Hibbard. Dyson Heffel, Kale Hooker, Heath Hocking, Ben Howlett, whose uh, wife teed off on radio, and uh, Brent Stanton. Uh, the Essendon players still at Essendon. Dustin Fletcher, David Hill having retired. Uh, at other AFL clubs, of course, Jake Carlisle was at St Kilda in what must be a humiliation of immense magnitude given they gave up pick five to the Bombers for him. But 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 surely surely at this point, and this is includes everybody, really except the the recruitment of Monfries, who sort of who went to Port Adelaide at the end of 2012. Surely that's caveat emptor. Oh, of course, it's by the way. Surely at this point you have to say, well, we think there's some risk, and they've been through this process, but it's not complete. Well, here's pick five anyway, and here's seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, Jake. <laughs> um, I mean. You can't really then turn around and say, "Hey, nobody told me." I mean, that's 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 rubbish. Also, mm. surely, I, you know, I don't feel too much sympathy for the clubs who recruited these guys. So, of course, the, um, the other clubs being Jake Melksham at Melbourne, Paddy Ryder and Angus Monfries at Port Adelaide, Stuart Crammery at the Western Bulldogs, and uh, also still in AFL circles, Mark McVeigh, who's an assistant coach at GWS and who was pulled off the park. Uh, yeah. During training in the morning there, and said, "Look, you can't, you can't be here." Yeah, so, apparently Gubby Allen had to grab him by the the arm and show him the door. And of all the people in this <laughs> this saga that I feel absolutely no sympathy for, Vitamins McVeigh is the man. Vitamins McVeigh and and Kyle Reimers must be uh, wherever. Someone should wherever. send that guy a fruit basket or something because well, that's right. He yeah. was the first one out there, and McVeigh teed off on him. And it was, but, uh, but the, these guys who finished their playing careers, and, and we mentioned Sam Lonergan a moment ago because he's, of course, he had, he'd been appointed captain coach at South Lawn System. I mean, they're 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 losing an enormous amount. Well, because... I, I, I tell you who they are. Corey Delolio was at South Fremantle. They released a statement supporting their player. Yeah, uh, Alwyn Davy has recently appointed uh, coach of Palmerston in the Northern Territory. Yep. Uh, Alex Brown uh, is at the Northern Blues. Uh, they released a statement supporting their player, obviously. Leroy Jetta is at Palmerston in the Northern Territory uh, with Alwyn Davey. Uh, Sam Lonigan, obviously, at South Launceston there. Uh, oh, sorry, at Launceston, not South Launceston. They released a statement. Ariel Steinberg at Williamstown. They released a statement. Brent Prismal is at Footscray in the uh, VFL. Uh, Brendan Lee at East Perth in the yep. Waffle, and all of those clubs released statements. Obviously, Brent Prismal represented at WADA, along with uh, Cramery by Slater and Gordon, um, separately, well, the separately thing, to the, the other The thing about Jetta too, because Jetta's got the, the February 2017 suspension, because and, he played and the NTFL's the a, a wet season league, isn't that's it? That's right, they play in the summer, so that's uh, why his season has been extended somewhat. And... Uh, Players in the region, uh, players not playing in state competitions. Luke Davis is captain at Aberfeldy in the Essendon District Football League. Uh, Kyle Hardingham is at Pascoe Vale this year, or was. Scott Gumbleton was. is at Banyul. Uh, Nathan Lovett Murray is the coach at Rumbalara, which is an Indigenous side at, in Shepparton. Uh, yep. Kevin Dyson is at Bundura. And Henry Slattery, who has been reported as having nothing to do with the program. Uh, but has been suspended as well, is at Nuriupa in the, the South Australian uh, Barossa League. So it's, um, yeah, of, of the 34 players, most of them are still playing in various uh, leagues. Well, I, I think Jenna might end up really missing, well, I think they're playing now, the NTFL, and it sounds like you'll miss most of the next season, the wet season league as well. That's right. So his suspension is actually probably the worst of all of them. Well, I, I, yes, the NTFL does play a summer season. I think it's in a bridge. I, I don't think it's a full, full-fledged season as such. It's just um, it's a, it's like twelve, fifteen weeks or something. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I guess that the, from a from a playing point of view, now they they've got to cobble together a a side of um, you know 
promoted rookies and what have you. And, and there was a discussion on the main board about how good or how bad this team could be. Um, and, and I think the, the betting, and we talk about over-unders, which is a bit of an American thing to talk about, but the, the over-under for wins is, is one and a half next season, which says, you know, mm. if you're betting the overs, you, you think that they'll win two games. I mean, I tend to think as the season goes on that, you know, they'll, they'll run into somebody who's either resting a few players or or having a bad day or, you know, or they'll run into Carlton and... And yeah, I think they'll win. They can win three or four. <laughs> I did but, find it interesting that there are Carlton supporters out there that seem to think that the games against Essendon next year are gimmies. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I don't think that, I don't think a, a club with fourteen new players on their list has it, can have any gimmies. Sure, I'm, I'm not really sure Carlton people are understanding just how bad we were and are possibly going to be. I mean, well, there's, a, I, there's, a, there's a lot of hope in the air at Carlton. Don't get me wrong. Uh, your mate Brendan has uh, bought a wealth of uh, hope with him. But and and, the, and we drafted fairly well by all accounts. Um, but it's it's a long way back from where we were. And to you know to start saying that we're going to definitely beat Essendon twice next year is a long bow to draw. I, I just I just find it interesting. There hasn't been it's been fifty one years since a team has gone through an AF, uh, an AFL VFL season winless. And, it could happen. And I, oh, I'd be surprised. I'd, I'd be very surprised if they didn't win. I'm, I'm looking for improvement in most full clubs next year. I don't think Essendon... I mean, they'll, they'll be competitive against, you know, clubs like Carlton probably. But, I mean, honestly, I don't see them winning a game next year. It's. it's... Oh, I think they'll win. Oh, I think they could win up to four. Yeah, they could. They didn't I don't one. think they will. I, I think I think they can. They could win up to four, and I'd be very surprised if they didn't win at least two. Maybe. So, uh, the AFL has said if they finish on the bottom this year, they'll keep their number one draft pick. Well, you can't keep punishing them forever. No, so no you got to. Move I think on. if you if you if you 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 create that playing that's that um, that problem for them, then. You, know, you can't very well say, well, we're going to do this, and then we... I mean, you know, you can't just keep piling on. They've had their penalties from the AFL. They've so, had their penalties well, from the AFL. One of the things I'd like to ask you, Mr. When when the Melbourne Storm were dumped, like they lost their premierships and they were... Uh, uh, no. They, they played... A, a, basically played out the season for no points. Yeah, they did. I would have liked to have seen that penalty given to Essendon, where they play the season, so the games are still held... They still, you know, they still get to play. You know, the the the, the fixture is not jeopardised, broadcasting is not jeopardised. Essendon have no chance of getting any points. I would have liked to have seen that be the penalty uh, that was levelled against them for this. Oh, uh, I think then you get into the and, and it'd be interesting because I I my memory is and and it might be imperfect, but I tend to think the Storm, who were a pretty good team still, I I have a feeling they won about as many games as they lost. Yeah, they did okay. Um, so, they did okay in the end, and they actually had an increase in membership support and and various other things that kept them going. But I mean, it it, it really did. I thought I thought the NRL dealt with that a lot better. I think the AFL kind of hamstrung themselves by already dumping them from the finals in 2013, or and that was that was probably fair enough. Mm. Um, and you probably can't go and visit that well twice. So uh, all in all, I think the penalties have been dealt. And it, we can all move on now. I mean, it'll 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 be a fun you know fun season if you're an Essendon player going to a Subiaco next year. But it, um... well, yeah, it will be. I mean, uh, you know, and and the guys who've been left behind, they they they're in they're in for a hiding hiding to nothing yeah. next season. And they and they've got some. And, and the thing they've got is they've got a couple of very promising young kids, uh, Darcy Parish and um, I can't think of his first name, but Young Francis. And and normally you would expect those guys to play a fair bit of VFL football and, and be be brought in. There's a they've got to be careful with these guys. They they the, the instinct might be just to, to throw them in the deep end and say, see if you can swim, son. But mm. I don't you know. You, you see cultures you play places like Melbourne. I think where they throw these guys in the deep end, and there's a fair attrition rate for that. Yeah. And I think they've got to do a bit better with some of the. The guys who they believe are their their five to ten year future prospects. Yeah, well, that's why I think that's why I support a, a later draft age 
than uh, 17. I think you've got to let the players mature before you start throwing them into the deep end in AFL football. But that's another discussion for another time. Um, Essendon players, it's been reported on Channel 7, I think, I, over the weekend that Essendon players that are suspended for this year have been guaranteed uh, a, another year on their contracts. Really? Beyond this year by the Essendon Football Club. I'm not entirely really? that Ooh. I've only seen that on Twitter. Um and it it's come from, you know, Steve O, so the source isn't highly rated, to be honest. But um if that's true that's that's interesting. But I mean we're talking about a club that re signed Heard for two years. Well, uh, I guess it's easier to give them another year in their contract than pay out I guess they could go towards their settlement. Well, they're going to they're going to get pay they're going to get their pay for the year anyway. The club can't afford not to pay them. It's it's better to just pay their wage out for the year and just keep going. Um, otherwise, the club gets sued for loss of income and yeah, well, I mean, is, well, they're going to they're going to get sued for loss of reputation and duty of care and you know there's I mean I you know, again I'm not I'm you know I'm starting to sound like Jack McCoy again but. But ultimately, you know, there's any number of grounds that these guys who could um, mm. could uh, seek redress to Essendon. And it's, um... which, which brings us to Hal Hunter, um, who yes. isn't one of the 34 players cited by Asada um, initially. And he uh, is currently in the Supreme Court of Victoria trying to get access to any documentation Essendon and the AFL have. Um, it seems that there is, you know, which must be fun given that no one has any documentation, apparently. Uh, the latest response uh, from that is that the court believes that Essendon have handed over all their documentation, uh, but the AFL has documentation that uh, they haven't handed over yet. The AFL says that they have handed over all the documentation and that Hunter is basically on a fishing expedition now. So... Who knows what's who knows what uh, the end result will that be? But Essendon and the AFL have both uh, are now both chasing him for costs. Yes, uh, isn't that charming? It is. It is charming. But I think there's a feeling around both clubs now that Hunter is chasing stuff that he knows doesn't exist. Well, I mean, at the moment, I mean, who, who, why why would he trust any of them? Well, you wouldn't. But I mean, if the court believes that Essendon have handed over, the, why why would the AFL have more documentation on this than Essendon? If Essendon have handed over all their documents, and the AFL never had any to start with, it it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I'm, I'm I think I I think he's on a fishing ex. I think he's on. All, uh, I think he has good reason to be, but I think he's on a fishing expedition. So. Mm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Essen, uh, Mess, I want to hear some stuff from you. I want, I want your thoughts oh. on this. Who do you think's come out looking the best after this? Like, who do you think whose reputation has been enhanced through this whole process? No one's. No, n- nobody. Ab- absolutely. I mean, are we talking about the actual players? Are we talking about media? Just but players, of, media, officials. You, you know, the only person who might be able to say, I was trying to do the right thing and I got shoved out. Maybe you could maybe mount a case for David Evans. But uh, other than that, nobody at Asada looked absolute buffoons, particularly under under Aurora Andruska. Uh, The AFL looked very keen to set a political, uh, get a political solution to uh, to this problem. And... We're willing to throw people, a few people under the bus to do it. Um, the Labor government, you know, Jason Clare stood up and said, this is the blackest day in Australian sport. Well, you know, no, that was a thousand days away. Uh, a lot of people in the media had egg on their face, although you would say, you know, Caroline Wilson came, comes out with a lot of, lot of credit, particularly for the abuse he played. But look, from, from the people who were actually involved in it, who were in it rather than reporting on it, almost no one. It's, mm. it's. Um, there should be a, a fairly substantial lessons learnt file on this for Asada, for the government. You know, if you want to have a, if you want to have a drug, um, drug enforcement policy for sport, then you need to give it some teeth and you need to give it some resources. Mm. Um, and the AFL need to probably leave best alone in future and let, let the, let the big, 
let the adults handle it. But um... well, and I think that won't be a problem in the future. I think the problem at the start was, of course, the start of not having the power to do what it, it wanted to do and needing the AFL's. Uh, uh, powers to do it now. They start to have those powers themselves now, so I don't think we'll ever see an investigation like that again. Even though it was ruled legal by the federal court and the federal appeals court, so I mean, I, I don't think they did anything. I mean, it looks bad, but I don't think they did anything wrong there. It's um, for me, David Evans is the is the is the has been the fall guy here at Essendon. Um, I, I think he has been poorly treated, absolutely poorly treated. Oh, and and look, and and the, and the list doesn't end there. I mean, Paul Hamilton, um, Ian Robson, and Ian Robson had the um, also had the uh, the, the great. Um, uh, sorry, I've lost the ability to speak English now. <laughs> um, Ian, Ian Robson also had the benefit of not being an Essendon person. Yeah, he must have been spewing at some point, going, "I left and there was a, a slide dig, a slide dig from James Heard in the interview where he said, "Oh well." You know, we, we, we created this, this structure and that Ian Robson had used it elsewhere and, and so, you know, we he said that that was a, a way of doing things and, of course, you know, along the lines of nothing's James's fault. But, um, you know, Ian Robson was, was, a, was, a, was a ready state scapegoat. Um, he, did, he did fall on his feet, though, Robson. He's now the CEO at Melbourne Victory, I believe. Sure, he is, but but being the CEO of a AFL club is, a, I would have thought, a more prestigious role than being the CEO of an A League club. And the, and he left; he was CEO at Hawthorne and left to go to Essendon because he thought Essendon was a more prestigious position because mm-hmm. it was a, in inverted commas, bigger club. Well, I'm sure Stuart Fox would like to send him a thank you card. <laughs> frankly, because <laughs> Stuart Fox is doing all right. Danny Corcoran didn't come out looking too no, good throughout the process, and, and he's now at Sandringham. And he was involved in Athletics Australia as well at some stage. Mm, and, and they're under some scrutiny, I believe. So. Yes, yes, Danny Corcoran. So, Corcoran probably didn't come out looking too good at all. Steve Dank, of course, the main man that no one can get hold of, hasn't fronted a court, is banned by the AFL for life, and uh, WADA have announced that they're not pursuing... Uh, Steve Dank, presumably because he already got the life ban. Well, he's a flim-flam man. He's a flim-flam artist, a snake oil salesman, whatever you want to call him. But but teams that let this buffoon into their club um, clearly have to consider their due diligence because um, he's a, he has no credibility. And um, I don't think anyone's going to see him at an AFL or NRL club anytime soon. <laughs> Well, or anyway, I think he well, spends he, his life sticking peptides into old women now, doesn't he? He he was um, when this broke, and he'd left Essendon. He was later reported at an IPL club in India. Oh, really? But uh, I'm not sure that's the case anymore, and I'm not sure how long that lasted. But he did consult with the uh, with an IPL club. So, but the IPL being the paragon of virtue <laughs> that's and, right. and jurisprudence. That's right. So uh, look. I just, I think that everyone's content to pretty much say it's over. Everyone wants it over. I think everyone will... I mean, it has been a black period, I think. Maybe not the blackest day, but the blackest day, definitely. Uh, the blackest we're, we're, period we're in Australian to... sport. I mean, 47 players ended up being suspended for for drugs and whatnot. And that's not including the ones at state level in that period as well. Um I mean, there's there's a lot of... And I don't even know about the second-tier NRL players that have been suspended. I know there have been some. And, and rugby union players that have been done too. Look, there's a, it, it has been a bad period for Australian sport, but I can honestly say that I think we've all learnt... Well, not we've all learnt, but I, I think everyone will have learnt from this entire experience as a whole. And, and look, if, any, if, if the AFL can take... And if AFL clubs can take anything from this, is that you really do need to be whiter than white yep. in this field. And the players have learnt that they can't simply say, well, uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm an, I, you know, I give the Nuremberg defence. Yeah. They, they have to be honest to God, willing to ask questions and willing to say no. Because I think part of the issue here is that some people just cannot bring themselves to say no. And that this, you know, we talk about this, 
you know, they were interviewing Gary Lyon and they interviewed Jorah Band. They talk about the culture of the club and the culture of the club is you do what you're told. Well, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. That is utter bullshit. You're free-thinking individuals. You're responsible for yourselves. Make some bloody choices and stand up and say, no, no, I will not do this. I will go, this goes no further. This whole idea that you, you do it because the coach says, well, you know, this is it's, it's the argument that I use with my five-year-old. If Billy wants to jump off the bridge, would you jump with him? And and the answer, if you're an AFL footballer, seems to be, well, yes, I would. So um, I think AFL clubs and the players will use it. The AFL Players Association probably found out they need a new CEO after... Paul Marsh's absolutely embarrassing press conference. Yeah, the, the call to withdraw from WADA is probably not the smartest call to make after they've just won uh, a big case. <laughs> just... Well, you know, you, you would, you, if you wanted to do that, well, good luck an AFL club going to the AFL and saying, oh, can you help fund my new community development and we need $3 million for this and we need $5 million for that. And um, by the way, can you help build this stadium here? And mm. yeah, the answer is no. Because all of that, a lot of that funding is tied to, to them do, being involved in, in the water code. Yeah. You know, they, they don't support sports that don't do, that don't follow this this degree of governance. So, you know, that's uh, uh, quite quite silly. But Asada will have learnt and hopefully the clubs and the players will learn and perhaps maybe even the media will have learnt something. I don't know, but... Um, mm. You know, this sort of saying, oh, well, you know, you can't hold them responsible. Well, yes, you bloody can. Yes, you bloody can hold them responsible. So... I I think the overriding theme at the end of this is personal liability. You are personally responsible. And if you don't know what you're taking, then check. And if you still don't know, don't take it. That's... I mean, it, it can't... Who would... I mean... I don't go around injecting stuff I don't know. In fact, I won't even eat food that I can't read the label on. And I work with a lot of Chinese people and they bring their foreign food in and they're trying to offer me like um, meat and sweets and noodles and I can't read the label. I won't even eat that. But well, there you go. Maybe I'm racist though. You're the the (laughs) David Zarakis of our time. That's right. Mess, quickly, give me a quick summary of where you think we're at, what we've learned and where we go. We are going, we have watched a group of players be sadly misled and not take personal responsibility. And now we will have the great privilege of watching a shadow squad run around in the AFL season and probably distort the ladder to a degree. And a few guys have learnt their lessons the hard way. Mm. It's, it's sad, but it's necessary. Mm. I'm I'm just glad it's over. I mean, I don't think there'll be further court action uh, on the part of the players. Hal Hunter's thing's probably got some way to go. But I don't think, uh, as far as the main case is concerned, I think we're done. I think the suspensions have oh, been handed out. The only out. thing we'll see is when the, when the players start suing this. And, 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 that's, and there'll be a couple. I don't know that all of them will, but there'll be some who'll be aggrieved. Oh, yeah. I, I, and, I, and there'll be some who'll... Yeah. So maybe it's not over. But the main, the, this main point, this whole dealing with Asada, this whole dealing with Wada, that is done. Anything that yeah, comes absolutely. now is is going to be between the club and the players, and probably the AFL, who is uh, uh, as part of the player contracts a tripartite member of that. So making him sound like the axes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's, so that's that's still to play out. But I mean, we've got a season of footy coming up. It starts in less than fifty days. Uh, so, time for uh, another campaign for the Hawks, Miss. Uh, it, it is another campaign for the Hawks, and and I made my once annual pilgrimage to Hawthorne training while I was on leave, and and, and watched them run around. And uh, I have high hopes for Kieran Lovell this season. He he's he looks ready to go. He's got a AFL ready body he looks like a good inside mid and I think he's going to play a bit of football this year and play some good footy mm. so I'm looking forward to it however we we run into a very stern test in the opening game of the NAB challenge um, yes we yes you do face the might of Carlton in fact 
I will go so far as to tip an upset in the opening round of the NAB Challenge. You're only going to send half a team, aren't you, to Launceston? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe five. <laughs> going to be playing Box Hill at Launceston. That's maybe, maybe a few. But look, it's look, I, I've got high hopes for for Hawthorne. They they could um, make history, but uh, we we will see. We will see. I tell you, uh, the atmosphere down at Princess Park is uh, pretty good these days. Uh, there, I, yeah. I kid you not, there is a lot of hope down there. I know our memberships are uh, the highest they ever were before Christmas, um, which is pretty good given they've been pretty lacklustre the last couple of years. But there is a lot of hope down at Carlton these days. Uh, there seems to be a feeling of renewal and that uh, with Brendan Bolton came this whole change of approach to how we're going to play football and the players are communicating that through Twitter um, the, the the club is communicating that through its website. There's just there. I I kid you not. You go to the Carlton board, and even the most stubborn malcontents that you get there sometimes, everyone is upbeat. Everyone is expecting. You know, no, no one's putting unrealistic expectations on the club to win every game. I mean, when I say no one, I mean everyone except me because I expect us to win every game. Um, because I'm one of those people. I, I look. I, I remember watching Clarkson's first season and even his second season and even a bit of his third season and 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 some parts of the game were teaching experiences and yep. some parts of the game were you will learn how to do this skill if it kills you yeah and and we will do it this way and and if you get it wrong then you'll give up a goal and if you get it wrong again you'll give up another goal but you will keep doing it until you get it bloody right and 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 I think. One of the things that Bolton that has served Bolton well is that he, he's coached his own teams in the past, and when we talk about his time in Tasmania, he's got a teaching background, and 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 he's seen that these things. Rome wasn't built in a day, mm. and and Carlton supporters need to be patient. But you know, you've got a, a new group of um, a new group of players and a, and a new coach, and and he will he will teach a methodology, and he will teach flexibility. And he'll um, and and uh, if it all goes well, he'll serve you well. But who knows? It's I guess there's so many other things that are beyond his control, and and uh, luck and injuries will, will play their part. But you know, they always do. So it's a you know you can't you can't ask for better than that. And it's to try, you just got to make good choices and pick the right guys. You know, indeed. Look, mess people didn't tune in to listen to you and I crap on about our teams. Uh, oh, well, they bloody well should have, because, you know. <laughs> uh, if anyone is listening at all, thank you very much for tuning in. It's, yeah, both uh, of you. Yes, it's, both it's, of you. It's been Messenger and myself, the Wookiee, talking about the Essendon saga. We pretty much ignored everything else that's been going on because, frankly, it's petty and we're not uh, we're not the Herald Sun. So thank you very much, guys. Oh, I hope we don't have to come back and talk about more controversies over the summer. But uh, if not, we'll see you around the NAB Cup time. Thank oh, that you. reminds me. Can you um, <laughs> can you PM me those dick pics, please? <laughs> yes. I need a microscope. Um, I'll see you all. <laughs> I'll see you all in a couple of weeks' time. Cheerio. And there we go. We there. talked about dick pics. Yeah, we got it in the last minute. Hey, um, I don't know. Have you have you ever been onto Bomber Blitz? <laughs> <laughs>